Our reading is found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. On Palm Sunday we think of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, the first of the events leading up to his death and resurrection. We always hear it told as a triumphal entry, when Jesus is finally showing everyone who he is. It's an exciting time and it's an exciting event. But it's also a sad time because we know what comes next. We know that this celebration doesn't last for long and we know why he was headed to Jerusalem. Jesus openly claimed to be a humble king who came to save his people and rule over them for eternity. Yet after that day, instead of being crowned king, he was crucified. His disciples welcomed him as king But the religious authorities rejected him and the general population pretty much ignored him. As we know, Jesus was not the Messiah that people were expecting. They expected a ruler who would come and throw out the Romans and defeat them once and for all. They were looking for someone military-like who would come and take charge. Someone who would take power in a forceful way and give freedom to the people. They were waiting for a military messiah, and Jesus wasn't quite as they thought he would be. I wonder, I wonder if Jesus isn't quite who we expect either. When we think that Jesus is the son of God, that brings about a certain ideas, doesn't it? Surely he's going to be someone who wants to be worshipped, who hung out with only the most popular and important people. And who didn't have time for time wasters or those 
who in society people judge as not really mattering. But instead, as we know, Jesus was a friend of sinners. He spoke with prostitutes, ate with dodgy tax collectors, healed people, healed anyone and everyone, and pretty much told the religious elite of the day that they'd got it all wrong. Not what people expected, and perhaps not what we expected either. But on the day itself, it's almost like people looked right through Jesus to something that they wanted to see. And when that didn't materialise a few days later, that's when it all went wrong. Or obviously right, as it was intended. But I wonder if you can relate to that. I wonder if you've ever been rejected or know what that feels like. Rejection hurts, but it hurts even more when it comes in the form of feigned acceptance. It's a risk to offer yourself in relationship or in a career or in your social world. Most of us have gone through a time when it became clear that we were not accepted or acceptable. But not only does Jesus understand where we're coming from when we go through times like that, but he can also help us discover a strong sense of inner strength that will defeat the rejection of others. And you do that by being focused on who you really are in God's eyes. Jesus approached the Mount of Olives and the whole Palm Sunday experience knowing within who he was and why he was going to Jerusalem. His strength was built on God the Father and who he was. And it's the same with you and me. It's the view that God has of us that counts. He knows us as we really are and nothing anyone can say or do will change that. He loves us and it's important to remember that our worth can't be improved by the cheers and the acceptance of others. It's already at its highest possible value. And Jesus wasn't bothered by the fact that he wasn't who the people thought they wanted. Instead of riding in on a fine horse, a symbol of power, he rode in on a donkey. In fact, a colt, a young donkey that wasn't actually even his. He had to borrow it. And he did that not only to fulfil the prophecy of old, um, but also as a sign of humility. He wasn't looking for attention for himself but was doing all that he did to glorify God. Those who were kings and rulers around the time of Jesus were the type to show power and control and brutality to the people they ruled over. Jesus wouldn't want to be associated with this kind of kingship, so he demonstrated throughout his ministry that he was different. In three and a half years, he modelled what kings are meant to do for their people. He healed the broken and restored them to community. He showed forgiveness to those who'd missed the mark of religious, uh, required religious standards. And he included the outcasts. He raised the dead, he healed the sick. He was inclusive and unconditionally accepting of, the world, of his words and actions. He did all the things you wouldn't expect of a king because his rule wasn't typical. It was so much more than that. The characteristics he displayed show us just how kings and rulers are meant to be. And as I said, he was welcomed as a king with a victory-type parade, and that's what we're thinking about this Palm Sunday. And if you've seen one victory parade, you've seen them all, right? 
And for the people involved, they're meant to enjoy the moment because, as we know, fame is fleeting. So I've got a little quiz for you, just five little questions. Who knows what the 2014 X Factor winner was called? It was Ben Here Now. Or Ben Who? Who's that? Who is he? Okay, who won last year's Britain's Got Talent? You know, it was only last year, it was a few months ago. Who won that? Ah, Richard somebody, yes. It was Richard Jones, who was a magician. Oh, okay, you do remember that one. Should have gone further back. Who was 2015's Christmas number one? It was the NHS choir. Who won 2014 Strictly Come Dancing? I'll put you out in misery. It was Caroline Fleck. And finally, can anyone remember what happened on the 16th and 17th of July in 2012? Was it a church weekend away? <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Might have been. But that's not what I was thinking about. <laughs> it was uh, the day that the Olympic torch made its way through West Sussex. I couldn't actually find out if it came to Horsham or not, um, but I think it went to Crawley. So you should have known about it. <laughs> okay. But that day wasn't all that long ago, and I don't know what it was like down here, but I went to uh, where I was, and it was a day of real celebration, a day of excitement, a real party atmosphere. But the thing about these types of parades are that we need to enjoy them while they happen because they don't last very long. None of us could remember those people. I had to look those answers up. For celebration, the fame behind them all is fleeting and gone even faster than they arrive. And it was the same with Jesus. On his entry into Jerusalem, he was the main attraction. That day the crowds are shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Yet only a few days later, less than a week, people were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. No sooner had he been welcomed into the city as king that he was rejected by everyone. It's worrying how fast people can turn, how quickly people can turn against you or ignore you when there isn't a big celebration and people stop following. But Jesus knew that this would happen and he still had the courage to go through with it. Even in the events of Palm Sunday, um, we're often given the image of Jesus being led like a lamb to the slaughter, but here is the key. That is not the case. We don't have a pre-programmed Jesus who has no choice but to go through with the events of Holy Week. But we have a living, choosing, inviting Jesus, making one of his final offers to the people and the powers of Jerusalem. It was his choice and he still went through with it. And you know, Jesus offered everyone then and he offers everyone now an alternative way of living. He offers them an inclusive community and shows compassion and care for others. A society where servants have power. A society where everyone matters and everyone is equal. Jesus came to bring peace. He came to deal with sin and self-righteousness and selfishness and prejudice and I could go on and on. He came to deal with all of the ways in which we've all messed up. He came to deal with it and give us a choice. And we can choose 
how far we're going to follow him. So I wonder, how far did the crowd follow Jesus? The crowd who have at least heard of Jesus, if not seen his miracles firsthand. They acknowledge him as king on his triumphal entry. But how far do they follow him? As far as the city, into the city, beyond the city? Will they follow him while he's popular? When he's been arrested? When he's been falsely tried? When he's going to be crucified? When someone asks them if they know him? Which begs the question, how far are we prepared to go? How far are we willing to follow Jesus? As far as we can until someone asks us if we know him. And then we'll decide whether or not we're going to admit to it or not. As far as we can until we have to make a tough decision and decide between following him or choosing our own path. Or to the foot of the cross, to the place where we acknowledge that we're in need of a saviour. And once we've done that, to the place where we're willing to stand up for our faith no matter what. I reckon Palm Sunday is a bit of a peculiar celebration. It's a victory celebration, but the victory hasn't happened yet. The victory isn't going to happen that day. It's postponed until a future date, until a date that only God knows. This parade is only the slightest glimpse of the honour and the glory of God's Messiah is to have. But for now, the hero of the parade is headed for total rejection as saviour of Israel. True, the Messiah is here. True, the opportunity for peace and reconciliation is here. But God's got not going to impose peace and uh, peace on anyone. Jesus' offer runs right into one of the central tu- uh, truths of humanity. We have a will and we have a choice. How far are we willing to follow Jesus? There's a story of a young man who enlisted and was sent to his regiment. The first night he was in the barracks with about 15 other men. They passed the time playing cards and gambling. But before going to bed, he fell on his knees and he prayed. They began to curse him and jeer at him and throw their boots at him. And so it went on the next night and the next night and the next night. So he went to talk to the chaplain and he told him what had taken place. Well, said the chaplain, you're not at home now and the other young men have just as much right to the barracks as you have. If it makes them mad to hear you pray, the Lord will hear you just as well if you say your prayers silently. So just don't provoke them. For For weeks afterwards, the chaplain did not see the young man again. But one day he met him and he said, by the way, did you take my advice? I did for two or three nights, he said. How did it work? Well, said the young man, I felt like a whipped hound and the third night I got out of bed, knelt down and prayed. Well, asked the chaplain, how did that go? The young soldier answered, we have a prayer meeting there every night. Three have been converted and we're praying for the rest. How willing are we to stand up for our faith? How willing are we to follow Jesus no matter what the cost? We need to have the courage and the faith to follow Jesus wherever he takes us. We need to make sure that we don't compromise on our faith because of what others think or what they might do. And it's like we're all in the crowd that day. We're all making the decision about whether we're going to follow him. Some people were simply bystanders and that might be you this morning. 
happy to watch the parade and let it pass by. After all, people can do what they want. We all have a choice. Others get caught up in the enthusiasm. They joined in with the, the crowd cheering and shouting. And that's easy to do as well. Some follow Jesus with all their hearts, even though they didn't fully understand what he was all about. And maybe that's us. Maybe we want to follow Jesus, and maybe we are doing. And each day we discover more and more about him. But still others in the crowd that day were critical of Jesus and wanted the whole thing stopped. Some people we meet will be like that too. They don't understand what's going on and will try and get in our way. But somewhere amongst that crowd of people, we should be able to see ourselves or part of ourselves at least. But like the people in the crowd that day, we all have a choice. A choice whether or not we're going to follow Jesus. Even after the victory parade has ended and reality hits hard and we've forgotten all about it. Well, as I said before, that first Palm Sunday was not the real victory celebration. It only pointed to a celebration that will happen in the future. Until then, it's like we relive that Palm Sunday every time we decide whether or not we're going to follow Jesus and honour him as the one who rules in our lives. But here's the thing. The key issue is not whether the whole of the rest of the world follow Jesus or accept him or reject him as saviour, but whether you do. Whether you accept to reject his offer of healing and wholeness, whether you accept his offer of salvation and how that goes on to affect your decisions and your actions. Day by day, we decide whether we'll be like those in the crowd as Jesus passed by who were shouting, Hosanna, glory in the highest, or whether we'll join with the Pharisees shouting, tell them to be quiet. You see, the thing is, the purpose of your life and the purpose of my life is the same as the purpose of Jesus' life. Our purpose should be to cause others to say, isn't God wonderful? It's been said that a good witness isn't like a salesman. Emphasis is on person rather than product. A good witness is instead like a signpost. And here's the good news. It doesn't matter whether it's old, young, pretty, ugly. It just has to point in the right direction and be able to be understood. We are Christ's witnesses. And it's our job to point to him. To point others to him. And to help them follow wherever he leads them. And we do that by being people who don't fit in the crowd. Who don't do what other people do just because they think they have to. But people who are willing to stand up for what they believe in. People who won't say they follow Jesus one minute and reject him the next. People who are faithful. And not just that, but we need to be people who are ready to share the good news of Jesus with those around them. Our purpose is the same as that of Jesus. And our purpose should be to cause others to say, isn't God wonderful? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for what you did um, at Easter time that we're going to think about in this coming week. We thank you for giving your life on a cross that we might have a choice of salvation. And Father God, give us the courage to be those signposts who point people to you.
in everything we do and everything that we say. Help us to cause others to say, isn't God wonderful? Amen.